Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Today on Barbecue and Tech, can you sue me in a Ford F-150 Lightning? Or more importantly, how does cupcake chicken actually taste? Hopefully it's not too sweet. On this episode of Barbecue and Tech, you got Chris Ashley and Rod Simmons. Let's get to it, brother. Yo, yo, what's up, what's up, what's up? It Welcome is, back again. Oh, <laughs> well, it's back again and leave again. It's a, a, a travel season, man. It's a, it's that time of year. But uh, you have a you have a big barbecue. I know we on our last episode we said that you had a a big barbecue that you had coming up where you were planning for uh, yep. a tailgate for somebody. Yep, that's and, this weekend. So I am uh, getting into testing a few things that uh, I've never done before. Uh, for for the tailgate, and if if everybody remembers, um, the plan was to pre-smoke some of the stuff. So I'm planning on doing pretty much a full barbecue. When I say full barbecue, that's going to be brisket, pulled pork, ribs, and uh, chicken. And then uh, I talked to them. I said, "You guys take care of your sides. Um, I- I'll cover the the mains." And then, uh, so now it's like, okay, normally I would smoke my ribs ahead of time. We've talked about this and leave them wrapped, uh, bring them cold and grill them to heat them back up at the tailgate. And then the, uh, pulled pork and the brisket, I would smoke overnight and p- plan for them to be ready to go at, uh, you know, when it was time to leave for the tailgate. And so, and actually not ready to go, but ready to rest. So I would pull them, put them in there, let them rest. And then by the time you get to the, to the game, you set up and you know, you're ready. You know, everything else is ready. It's fully rested, perfect timing and stuff. So I'm trying to find ways to make that a, a bit easier and incorporate the value of having a Ford Lightning. So I'll say. There's nothing easier than when you can pull the food in the morning, throw it in the back of the truck, drive well, I think roughly to get to the stadium. It's so like an hour and 20 minutes, somewhere around there for you. Pull in, get set up. And the food is, in, the, in that caterade, the food is, I don't say it's as hot as when it came off. It's not far off. It's still steamy. Yeah. And that does make it easier. And, and if you've ever looked at like professional barbecue places, they they put stuff in like a warmer for... 
10, hours, 12, hours, 14 hours. hours. Yeah. Like, so I'd like to say the Caterade provides you the, the capabilities of a warmer, if you will, like something that yeah. holds that temperature. But I mean, it, your temperature is declining where theirs is like, I want 140 constant for the next yeah, 14 Yeah, it's plugged hours. in so I can absolutely maintain it. But the difference is I'm a one-man show, right? So everything I do is on me. How many chicken breasts did you do the other day? Or half chickens? Like chicken thighs. Yeah. How many half chickens? No, half chickens. It was a little while ago. You did a big half chicken for It was about 100. Party. Yeah, it was about 100. You're a one-man but, show. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say I was a normal one-man show, but I am a one-man show. And uh, but you know, there's always room to be more efficient because the, the if you can find those little avenues where you can make things smoother and better, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't. I don't. It reduces the anxiety, and if I could, you know, help other folks, whether it be a home cooking, you know, big thing they're putting on or whatever, then why not? You know, uh, I, I, the days of I've worked in restaurants where tour buses have pulled up and if you want to talk about stress and having to be on your game for about two hours straight when you're trying to serve a hundred people uh out of the blue you know it uh it, it, after you go through that a couple times it, it you know cooking a ton of food for people and trying to get everything ready it kind of pales in comparison because you know that when you look out that window and you see you know, you hear the air brakes going off and you look and you see uh, the driver walking up. You're like, oh, God, everybody, all hands on deck. You know, you're like, you put this down. You throw down, throw down 30 burgers. You start making fried chicken right now. Make me two bags. You know, you just boom. OK, go refresh all the napkins. Make sure to you go make sure the bathrooms. You know, you got You got to step it up immediately and and get, get ready. So I, I think and if you kind of liken that to what I think we as backyard pitmasters deal with, there's. One scenario which you just described, which is you're working at a restaurant, unexpected, hundred people show up, you got to cook for them. You, you pretty much know you have the food. You are going because this is fully unexpected. You're going to run out of certain things, but you could probably get through your stack. Then there's the catering side of it, which is um, somebody is paying me to cater a party. They told me that they will have two hundred people here, and they want. They want a recommendation for enough brisket, this, 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 this to serve 200 people. Mm-hmm. And really all you're doing is saying, I'm, I'm catering. I'm going to cook the food in the quantities you desire and have it ready and at a good temperature for serving when you arrive. And that's, that to me is very different than the restaurant just due to it's more planned. Then there's what we do in our backyard. And I think it's fundamentally no different than catering except for one key characteristic which is you're paying for all the daggone meat going on the smoker <laughs> and 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 i'm i say it's a complex one because you don't want to lose money like when you're the last like i say for some people the best thing to do is have more food than anybody can eat when they're there for some people the worst thing to do is say no one touched the chicken because everybody was eating all the brisket so i have right. no brisket left and barely anybody touched the chicken because they were filled in the brisket so now i had 20 people over my house, but I have chicken to feed 20 people and I don't want, I don't need that much food left at my house. Or you just, you over prepare or you, you don't, you don't hit your temps right and you destroy food. Like that waste is something that you, I think you acutely feel more when it's the money out of your pocket versus they said they wanted 19 briskets for 20 people. I made 19 briskets. 
Whether they eat it or not is not my problem. They've already paid for it. Right. Um, the very yeah, different the, experience. Yeah, there's, there's definitely the, the the nuances of each that make a difference. But at the end of the day, there's, there's still stress. It's just where it's coming from and how long it's going to last. Yeah, stress of losing my money is a big one. But so you're you're the barbecue you're doing. I'm. Uh-huh. I, I am curious, and I think so. You're you're cooking for. I'd say late twenty something kids, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so I hate saying kids; they're young adults. Yeah, I'm very curious as what their sides are going to be because you're not doing them. So I know the I know the meat is going to be on point, but I'm very curious if people show up with like a bag of carrots that have never been rinsed. So I've been with these guys, you know, they're they're family to me. Um, at least the most most of them, you know, my godson, my goddaughter, they're twins. Um, their friends have come on vacation with us, so I, I'd be. F- pretty confident that they, they they're going to be okay you know okay like, their game's going to be on point like their yeah, their yeah. sides will perfectly yeah, compliment Mat- matter of fact uh ron their their father was just over their house this weekend because they like you know they like cooking for him you know he's cooked for them all the years you know we worked in the restaurant together and so they have him and his wife over uh for dinner quite often and they right. cook for him and so you're going to you know, report back stuff. what the sides were i'm not yeah. i don't doubt they can cook yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll be interested to see. And I have to reiterate to make sure, you know. I, no, I mean, no, 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 no reminders. Not, no, I, I have to <laughs> remind them to bring the sides. Yeah, I want to make sure they bring sides for themselves. Yeah, what they cook is up to them. You know, yeah, but no like, instruction. They make, they make just, great baked beans. They make no, great. No instruction. Just uh, tell them bring sides. I got the main stuff and then leave it at that. And then report back to us if yeah, their, we'll see, we'll if their level they, was at your level. Yeah, yeah, we'll, I'm just, we'll see what I'm they very come curious. up with. Yeah. All right, so you practiced out with some. So actually, tell what what's this? I know we talked briefly about the sous vide, but what do you need if you're going to do the brisket mm-hmm. Saturday into Sunday, and then package it and go, and you're going to do ribs are going to be heated on a grill? Like, what do you need? This what's where does a sous vide fit into this equation for you? Like, so, um, the sous vide is going to be for the pulled pork. So my plan is to. Do the pulled pork early, rest it, pull it, and then vacuum seal it. And then what I'll do is on the way to the game, I will start the heater, uh, start the sous vide machine and uh, put the put the packages in there. So it starts to warm up on there because you had such success with the reheating the brisket in the sous vide. I have to imagine that the pull pork and what that does is saves me the hassle of having to pull it and receive, you know, and get it ready uh, on, on that day. I can just strictly deal with the brisket um, reheating the the ribs. No problem. I got, I bought a, a portable grill. I just needed to, you know, to put a nice thing on the, on the ribs. Um, of course uh, I'll pull the ribs out of the refrigerator yeah, on the way down. So they'll have an hour to kind of come up a little bit in temp. And then once they hit the grill, I can get a nice char on the outside and have some, and then I'll cut them up into individual uh, bones for, for serving. Uh, but the pulled pork is always an iffy one, right? Cause it's like, do I pull it, rest it, and then pull it out? When I say pull it, do I take it out of the smoker, rest it, and then pull it at the game? And then so it's like, okay, I got to bring two extra forks to to the game to make sure I can pull it or put gloves on and you know make sure I have gluvs with me and shred it. You got the there. pan, the juices, the pan, the juices, separate. Stuff, yeah. Or I can pre pre prepare it and then just warm it up and then you know 
cut the bag and dump it in a pan and really be have it ready to be served. You know what I mean? And I can do it at my leisure, right? So I can create multiple bags and just reheat the ones that I need. And, you know, if I feel like it's going to run out, I can start the next one uh, beforehand because they're, they're planning on getting there pretty early and spending a couple hours in the actual tailgate. So that part of it will be fun. Um, so that that's the sous vide. So what I wanted to understand with the truck is, A, you know, it has outlets. Uh, can I plug in this sous vide machine and it run in the truck? Or is it going to be like, ah, it's drawing too much power? You know, is it an issue? And so I'm happy to report that I plugged it in last night. And all I did was I just wanted to take some water, water from the sink and I want to bring it up to 180 degrees. Go. And uh, I put it in there, plugged it in, took about an hour, but it reached temperature. Um, the only the only thing that I'm finding iffy. So there's a setting on the truck in the lightning that says um, what when you plug something in, it'll say, hey, the covers open in the on the uh, outlet. Do you want to send power to it? And you say yes or no. And I say yes. So then it says, OK, now that you're, the, you know, you have to turn the truck on for it to send power. And then it says, OK, now that you're sending power, we will not turn off the truck until until you turn it off so we'll we'll continue sending power to the to the tailgate but for some reason it keeps like after like 30 minutes it's it's like ignoring that setting and turning itself off so i'm not sure what what the deal is with that and i don't know if it's maybe the the anova which is the uh, sous vide machine device that i'm that i went with is just reaching temp and it's not drawing that much power anymore or but i imagine it's still circulating in water i don't know but uh so i'd be so I guess the thing I would be curious with is if you were in driving. No, it doesn't turn off. I actually drove with it last night. Okay. To kind yeah, of see. That, I, so yeah, I it think doesn't that's, turn off. Your use, I think, at least what I found was, and I told you, a brisket is a bit more dense of a meat, where which is why starting at 180, putting it in the water and then backing it down was good. And I, so I think if you, let's say you did your pork shoulder, I don't know, tonight or tomorrow night, so that Saturday you're able to let it rest, separate, pull uh, it, get your your meat, your your juices separated, pour some in each bag, seal the bags, and like now they're ready to go, put them in the refrigerator overnight. Get up in the morning that you're going to the game and pull them out early so that they're already out trying to come up to close, relatively close to room temperature, just not 34, 33, 35 degree type temperature but just warm enough that when they go in the water, it doesn't shock the water down low. You can, you could bring the water up to temp in the house. Yeah. So, so this is the kind of nuances. This is why I wanted to test it because I wanted to see where, where were we at? You know, what is going to be the, the best way? And so other people who may use a generator to reproduce this or other people who may buy a lightning or, or some type of tr- vehicle with an outlet, you know, how, how you would go about this and, and test this out. So, um, definitely I think what I would do is probably plug it in on the inside first and just bring it either, you know, put hotter water in there or bring it up to temp in the house and then just use your truck to maintain it. Even though it's perfectly fine. Like I said, it brought it up to temp. I actually have, uh, some, uh, uh sweet potatoes in there right now <laughs> cooking in the back of the truck. Uh, um, so, and it's, it's working great. So that part is pretty cool. So I, I will say, um, it's shocking how long it takes to get the water to 180. Like it. Well, does, remember, it's. A I was cooler. doing it. 
Yeah, you're doing a yeah. So that's probably the big difference. I was using the the actual. I'll, container. I'll call it the plastic container that has zero insulation. You're using a cooler. What's your experience like? Is it kidding the temperature a lot faster just because it's not dissipating so much heat so fast? So from my experience using the the same container, you know, obviously we're using the same device using the container versus the cooler. I felt like it heated up a lot faster okay. than even with what appears to me to be more water. Um, I haven't texted directly, but I'm pretty sure this cooler is a lot bigger than the container. Um, and it still, to me, it came up relatively quickly uh, okay. in the end. Right. Now, the interesting part of that as well was the fact that I brought it up to temp last night, nothing in it. And then what I did was I turned it off and I just shut the truck. And I want, I really wanted to see how, how warm how, it is, how warm it is in the morning. So when I got up and I turned it back on in the morning, uh, it was at a hundred, uh, 111 degrees. So it dropped, you know, 70 degrees, but that's not bad, you know? No, not that, at all. That, so, and that, Overnight. That was, yeah. And that was me testing the cooler more than anything else. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's, and so I was, I was pretty impressed that the cooler method, um, actually, was able to maintain the temp it, uh, uh, pretty well, which means that I will have no issue at the tailgate, right? Not, not to mention, if if you're in the truck, you have the app on your phone. Because like, I think the biggest nightmare that anybody has with this is that you throw it in the front of your, tr- your truck or the back of your truck, plugged it into an outlet, you start the drive, and the outlet shuts off. Unbeknownst to you, you get there, and the water is a lot cooler because you put ice blocks of uh that came out of the refrigerator into the water which dropped the temperature of the water and it turned off very early in the process but from the app you're able to see the sous vide machine and see the temperature and so if you lose signal with it you are you able to sit in the truck and get signal to the app so that's the interesting a second part um to to discuss uh so yes and no Uh oh well it's not an uh uh-oh it's just a logistic thing right right now i have the Anova setup on Wi-Fi okay. at my house, so I can connect to it remotely right now. See what the temperature is, um, and all that jazz. Pull away from the house. There's no Wi-Fi router, <laughs> right? So now, do I go through the hassle of reconnecting to it via Bluetooth, or do I just trust that it's on and doing its thing? Now, I so your tr- trust is a fool's errand. But go ahead. So here, so that would be your initial response, right? Is like, you know, no, don't trust it at all. You know, what's what? Why would you do that? Here's one interesting thing about the lightning that uh, may afford you some additional trust. I can actually watch to see how much power is being drawn off the outlet. Oh, okay. So, so as, long, as long as the outlet is drawing power, you know it's working. Exactly. And provided that nothing is in there that can actually just keep like somehow magically keep touching it and saying, take the temperature down, take the temperature down, take the temperature down, right. banging into the center, you're right. you're pretty fine. I'm it pre- is a- I'd be very comfortable just <laughs> leaving it like that and then yeah. just doing because, you know, you can always control it manually. Right. And yep. so, yeah. So that was an interesting, very interesting thing when I went inside and looked at the truck and, you know, gives you a good graphic at the, you know ability to turn the back of the truck on the outlets on the back, the outlets in the front. But when I first turned it on, it was at like 990 Watts. It's a thousand watt. Uh, uh, the device itself, the outlet, uh, looks like it's rated for 3,600 Watts. Okay. And, uh, it never, never passed a thousand. 
and then uh, it, I've seen it drop. And the when it actually hit temperature, it was down to like 250 watts. So it very and I saw that from the truck. Right, the truck was telling me what was being pulled off of it. So because I can see that meter going back and forth for the outlet, I can literally say. I don't necessarily need to switch to Bluetooth. I may do it anyway, but I, I probably won't uh, because, you know, it unfortunately it doesn't say there's no op, like this. One of the great things about the August lock, um, you use Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and you it just switches back and forth automatically to connect to it. I, I wish they had done that here as well, where you can just say connect. If you cannot, if you can't reach it via Wi-Fi, reach it via Bluetooth. You know what I mean? But that, that option doesn't seem to exist right now, which is fine. Or maybe once I set it up on Bluetooth, maybe it'll switch back and forth. I don't know. But either way, I can tell. So that was really, really cool to see um, th- that that inf- that additional information uh, of the, the of the power draw. So what did I learn so far about doing the, the uh, sous vide in the back of the truck? Uh, hey, do you have my rubber mat for sanding my sanding mat or did you give it back? I may. Okay. I don't know. Either way, good. Definitely going to need that, right? Because I, <laughs> I, I need to. So all I did was I took uh, my uh, weight vest and I just threw it behind it for now while I was driving. Yeah, and the, the rubber mat will help it so that this cooler so is not sliding and sloshing the water all right. around the place. Exactly yeah. okay, right. Because gotcha. what happened was I went for coffee this morning. I turned it on, went for coffee this morning, and I just had a momentary lapse. Hit the accelerator a little too hard. And all of a sudden I saw on the screen of uh, lightning detected a power fault. <laughs> I was like, uh oh. So I get back water there. Water all over the place. All water, half the water all over the back of the, the, the tailgate. <laughs> the, the so vast- you, you can't drive with a spirited fashion is what you're saying. <laughs> no, no spirited, no spirited, uh, acceleration, uh, at all. Uh, so yeah, it just completely flung the water, you know, half the water out and, um, on top of that, it shake it shook enough where it unplugged itself. So that was the fault, right? So I just plugged it back in, dried everything up, dried everything up, plugged it back in, and let it go. So that that was like okay, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew it could happen. That's why I put the weight. But I was like, nah, just throwing you know twenty pound weight vest behind it, it should be enough. No, the weight vest went way all the way to the back of the, the yeah, bed. A truck that hard accelerating zero to sixty in under four seconds is yeah. I, think I, it's I, I didn't hit right. it that hard, but I hit it hard enough. I heard the weight vest hit did, the back of the tailgate. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Did the wheels chirp? No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, it wasn't that hard. So yeah, so definitely I need to put a rubber mat and I'll I'll wedge it in place as well. And it actually tells you when you turn it on to make sure anything in there is actually you know secure. Um, so that is a, a definitely a thing for anybody to kind of look out for uh, is to make sure that your your cooler is not sliding around. So let's talk about the cooler for a second. Um, really cool. I found this uh, little twenty five dollar stackable cooler, and uh, all I it had a flat lid, which was important because I was looking at different lids, and the rounded lids are thicker. And what you have to remember is that the sous vide device has a limitation to how deep it can go, right? So if you, the thicker your lid, um, you know, you run the risk of not being able to get the probe in, the probe end of it in deep enough into the water because it does have a sensor that says, hey, uh, water level is too low. Uh, so you definitely want to make, get a, as flat a lid as possible 
uh, if you're planning on uh, doing a, a converting a cooler into a sous vide container. Now, um, I'm just, folks have already commented, you know, they're thinking about doing this. I, I love the the idea of doing this because, as we talked about earlier, the insulation of the cooler allows less dissipation of the heat, which means the device doesn't have to work as hard and it maintains the heat longer. So, you know, finding like a nice cheap cooler to do to use as your device is, is certainly interesting. So um, for the Innova device that I had, I found that a a bit that had was a one one and a eighth, I believe. No, I went with one and a quarter, one of one and a quarter inch hole that I drilled. And now I'm fortunate enough. I have a drill press. So I was able to lay that thing down and drill a perfectly straight hole through the lid. And what I did with the lid is I actually turned big tip here, turn the lid upside down and drill from the underneath. Why? Because don't forget, there's a ridge that kind of locks the lid in to the cooler itself. And you don't want to drill into that. Otherwise, you're compromising the bond when you lock when you shut the when you close the lid of the cooler. So definitely turn it upside down so you can see that little border, that little ridge that's created that, you know, that wedges itself into the cooler and uh, and do that. So I t- turned it upside down, drilled a perfect hole into it and then um, slid the device in. Now, what what I did was I bought a I found a, a, a nice gasket. It's just, a, just and all it, all I really got it for was to kind of if I had drilled the hole too big, I just wanted to reduce the amount of uh heat that came through that hole but the fact that i drilled that hole and it was actually really really you know very close and i one of our fans said that they use foil you know theirs was a little bit uh, bigger so they just you know route put some foil around it and slid slid it through the foil and the foil became that gasket in there but i just found the gasket just to kind of help hold it but it's the you know it's a pretty decent fit uh, the hole that I, that I uh, drilled into the lid, so it goes down into the water just fine. Now, what I did was, what you have to remember is you want to keep that thing, uh, you know, you want to be able to put it down as low as you want it. So most of those sous vide devices come with like a uh, a bracket that the, it slides through, and then that bracket has a, a dial, a knob that you can you know, screw in against your pot or whatever to hold it still. Obviously with the cooler, that's not going to work. But what I did was I took that bracket and I turned it upside down because so that the piece that actually goes or that tends to go around the pot is sticking up. So now the bracket can sit flat. And when I did that, that allowed me then to just rest it, you know, put the sous vide warmer through it into the hole. And now I can control the depth of the sous vide machine because I can just, you know, uh, loosen it up, slide it up, or slide it down. I ended up having to push it all the way down as low it can go, as it could go, right. um, and that. But it, you know, it tighten it back up, and it really holds the depth of the sous vide device perfectly and allows it to make sure it sits flush against the top of the the uh, cooler. So this actually worked out to be really really cool. Um, just in the design of simple, it took me eight seconds to drill it. You know what I mean? And you, of course, you, you could just use a regular drill. I got the bit from uh, from Home Depot. Uh, no big deal. Nothing fancy about it. Just a regular hole bit that you would use to drill, you know, a doorknob or something like that. So I did that, drilled it out. Um, you know, I could have probably got some foam and filled it in, uh, filled in the lid a bit. And that's really the difference. And like these more expensive coolers, they put more foam 
in the lids and stuff like that in between the you know the sides so that it holds temperature better. When I so as soon as I drilled it, I saw that the lid was pretty is empty. You know what I mean? So I, if I wanted to, I could have filled it in with some foam, but I'm not worried about it at, at this particular point. So I did that, uh, filled it up with water, put, you know, and uh, and away it went. Started to heat up and and do its thing. So really. Really, really cool. So that was the first test. The second test will be plugging in, which I'm, I'll do here shortly, um, is put, hooking up the induction cooker and plug it in in another outlet back there. All right. And, and then, yeah, because this I, now the induction the, the induction cooker plugs into a, a, a traditional uh, 120 outlet as well. So that is correct, and it actually allows you to adjust its power so that it. Uh, so that you, you know, if you have an outlet that's not, can't provide the power that it needs, you can actually turn it down a little bit. Okay. So I'm just going to find something that to whip up in there real quick, just to plug it in, let it heat up a pot and see how it goes. You know what I mean? If that, and, um, I don't know if I'm going to need it, but, um, I'm going to bring it, uh, anyway. Uh, cause this, the, uh, the portable grill that I got is, uh, gas powered. Um, little the little propane tank, and again, I don't need that thing to be as hot as the world. Um, but I needed to just put a nice thing on the ribs and bring them back up to temp, which I think will be fine. All right, so we got the ribs are going on the grill. Yep. So the I'll brisk, smoke. The pulled pork oh. is going in the sous vide. We got that established. Your reheat. I think we got a process for that, and provided that you know you don't have you don't have any races that you have to do. We shouldn't have water all over the back of your truck, right? Um, cupcake chicken. Yeah. So you, I know we talked about this a while ago. I think season one you talked about cupcake chickens before, but just wh- so this is something that I've seen a long time ago. Uh, when I was watching Barbecue Pitmasters, and uh, I always Mixon. yes, uh, he's the one who made this process famous, and it's something that I always wanted to try. And one of the things we talked about when we talked about smoking chicken was being able to create uh, the chickens that were uniformed in look. And you can do that with a knife; you cut it, you know, pull the skin, cut it, and wrap it. And I've done it numerous times, easy. But when Myron's competing, one of the reasons why he does the cupcake chicken is because he specifically wants his chickens to be very uniformed and cooked evenly. And so he, so the process is you take the thigh, um, you would cut off the knuckles off the outside of the bone. You would then fold the skin uh, over and kind of put it in a ball and you would push the uh, chicken. You, uh, so you would take a cupcake pan. You would just, you know, lightly oil the bottom of the pan, the, each little cupcake hold, and you would put the chicken in skin side down. Uh, oh. And which I thought was interesting, skin side down. So, um, and then, you know, of course you season the chicken before you put it in, season with whatever you want. Put the chicken in skin side down and then you put it in your smoker for about an hour and a half, generally around the 300 degree mark. Then what you would do is like after that hour and a half, you would take the chickens and pop them out and flip them over so that now that the skin side is up, um, but leave them in the pan. I just, so I did the same thing. I, you know, I put, you know, took a, a pair of tongs and turned all the chickens over in each little hole and put it back in. And then that gave a nice, cause when it's in that, you know, all the fat starts to render. And so when you, you know, initially cook it, you know, it's kind of very whitish, the, the, the meat. And then so when you turn it over and now that skin starts to get brown and starts to give you that good smoke look uh, into it. 
So then um, the next step is to remove the pans. And if you want to sauce the chickens, that's when you sauce them. And, it, you know, you would do that after about an hour. Um, you would then sauce the chickens, put them back in directly on the grates, let that uh, sauce tack up, and then you have some chickens. So, and that's how you make the cupcake chickens. Now, a couple of things that I realized is I didn't really like the way the cupcake rounded thighs look <laughs> in the pan. So I was like, um, let me switch that up a little bit. And what I did is I bought uh, loaf pans. So any so just like you would go like to a store, mini loaf pans. Yeah, you would find a, the little mini loaves. I just bought two pans of that. So and that fits that fits the rectangular shape of the uh, thighs perfectly. Uh, and so the next step was to make my life easier. I actually bought boneless thighs, which my grocery store sells. So I was going to remove the bone myself, but I was like, ah, you know, it, it, why not buy them already deboned? And uh, this was wet. You got it from Wegmans, or I got I got them from Wegmans. Yep, they have packages okay. of boneless thighs, which made the yeah made the process a lot easier. So I just all I had to do really was take the chickens, put them in the pan, season season the chickens, put them in the pan, and then uh, put them in the in the smoker. So the couple of nuances that I was wanted to test was what how was the skin going to come out? Because we always strive when you're doing chicken to have that bite through skin. So you didn't you didn't take the skin fully off and scrape the extra fat off the skin. No, but I should have. <laughs> I, <laughs> so I okay. assumed I assumed that putting it skin side. Well, so here's the here's the thing. I assumed that this, the pan would add a bit more heat to the to the skin and give me that bite through skin, um, but it didn't. Now, so I, I wonder if that would have done that. If you would have started, well, the pan's only going to be round. What did you smoke at? What two seventy five or lower? No, I smoked it at two fifty five because I was doing the uh, I was doing the Jamaican jerk ribs at the same time. Okay, so, so you that, smoked so, a little lower, and you probably started with a cold pan, so you didn't uh, get yeah. it. And yeah, I okay. used I actually hit the pan with spray butter mm-hmm. um, instead of just using regular oil. Um, so yeah, so th- so this is something I have to continue to test and explore, and certainly if our fans test and explore it, I, I would love to hear your experience with it as well. Um, but I love the fact that the the thighs were boneless, so you literally could just pick it up and just bite right into it. I was happy with the flavor. Um, I was happy. I was happy. It's the rubber with- skin that you didn't like. It's just the, you know, and on- honestly, not all of them were like that. Some of them did have the bite through skin, but uh, most of them did not, and so. Um, if folks remember, one of the key things you can do to help achieve that better is to remove the skin from the thigh, take a nice sharp knife at an angle and just scrape off some of that excess fat and then just wrap the skin back around the thigh. Um, so I will definitely be doing that next time. So I have to test two things. I have to test not doing that and upping the temperature on the pans to, you know, to 300 like I would normally do a chicken. Like put them in the oven inside the house at like, let's say 400. Drop in and then now, take it outside. That, that or, would be or like three fifty or something. That would like that. be a th- that would be a third test, right? And that would be a third test for me. I would I would want to say, okay, here's the pan, pan's oiled, buttered. Put the chicken in the pan, throw the pan into the uh, smoker, but at three hundred this time. You know what I mean? So, and then see what happens. And yeah. then if that still doesn't achieve it, then you do my normal route. So just and this is the process I go through, folks. When I try to learn how to smoke something new, I will do something like five or six times with slight variations to figure out what's best. 
how was how was the um how was the smoke ring on the chicken? And I I wonder that because I'm sure most people are saying you really only have the smoke that can waft over the top of the chicken. I mean, I know that so, you're you're putting on the grate at the very end, but at that point, you're the chicken's not really going to absorb any more of that smoke flavor that you only get in that first bit of the cook process. So that was my that was a thing I wanted to be very weary of which or, or identify was how much smoke was in the chicken and surprisingly there wasn't really a smoke ring in the chicken which you don't necessarily always get yeah depending on the rubs that you use but, but you taste it but the smoke flavor was there and i think that's a result of a you know the smoke passing over the top the bottom of the thighs but then when i flipped them over now it's passing through the chicken you know what i mean because i'm resting it on the pan i'm not really just you know, dropping it back into the pan. Right. So I think between those two things, oh, um, before I forget, what I did is I did put a little bit of chicken broth inside of each of the holes. So I buttered it and put a little chicken broth. So they kind of cooked in the chicken broth um, in, in the smoke. So I, I think if that could have had something to do with your, uh, your possibly, rendering. possibly, possibly. Um, but, but, you know, be clear. I enjoyed the heck out of that thigh. I, I thought it was delicious. Uh, my daughter enjoyed it. My buddy uh, Marco came through, who I like to um, save some for, and because he's like learning, so he he's learned to pick up stuff, and uh, so I like getting his opinion on on these different things. Uh, and uh, he enjoyed it as well. So, okay. Uh, the next time I do it, I will scrape the skin, uh, and. That's probably the biggest change I would do is I'll, I'll scrape the skin and then put it in the pans and then see how it goes. And so the only thing I'm trying to decide is, will I do those ahead of time? Like at the same time I do the ribs and then just reheat them on the grill and sauce them on the grill. Or will I just cook them the day off? Because they only take about, you know, two and a half hours total. So part of me is leaning towards just do it, giving them that initial smoke set them aside and then just heating them up on the grill along with the ribs and saucing them on the grill and then serving them like that. So we'll right. see. We'll see what I land on. But those two things were very, very uh, interesting. We did, you know, the jerk ribs I did, uh, I posted some pictures of that along with the chicken. It's just something I've been working on for a while and uh, trying to figure out how to perfect that. And just for clarification, the cooler that you went with, what kind of cooler did you say it was again? It was just a uh, regular uh, $26 stackable Coleman cooler. Okay. Um, I got, I ordered it from Amazon. Uh, Let me pull it up real quick just to make sure I can be clear. So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I actually went to my local Lowe's and they had this like super duper uh, cooler. It was like $90. And I was like, man, I bet you this thing would keep hold the temperature. But the more I thought about it, I was like, why would I spend that much money and drill a hole right in the top of it? I'm not going to do that. So instead, I found uh, I looked online at different YouTube videos just to see what other people were using. And one guy, I don't remember the video, but he did uh, mention this uh, little Coleman 24 can party stacker portable cooler. Yep. And I'll, uh, I'll drop a link of it in the show notes. Yeah. And it's, the way the reason why it stacks is because the way the lid is shaped, it's it's meant to put another cooler right on top of it and you can just stack these things up as high as you need them to be so it's uh 13 inches by 22 inches by eight and a half inches weighs five pounds and it's a 25 quart capacity um so plenty large as far as i'm concerned um and like i said right now i have uh i have some sweet potatoes with uh with some uh what did I put in there? Some rosemary and some uh, 
truffle oil. Uh, I'm a sucker for a good truffle, truffle fries. And All right. uh, what did I say? Uh, how how many ounces did I say? I think I'm just looking at this pan that you can get from a Nova. I mean, the little tub that you the container. You mean, that they are you have. talking about? Sorry, your cooler or your? Yeah, yeah. What did I say that cooler was? It was a 24 can stackable cooler. I don't 20, know 24 quarter, I think. Let me see. Uh, but that's. I mean, it's. Uh, well, I just went away from the page for it, but it is a. Uh, uh, 5.7 pounds, 25 quart capacity. All right, so you have to do the conversion. This is a six. The, the tub that you get with Anova says 16 liters of water. Let me see which one is bigger. Uh, so how many liters? 16 liters. Uh, 25 quarts is like 24 liters, something like that. They're very close. 23 very liters, close. somewhere around there. Okay. About so, the same size, but yeah, the cool, like the cool. Well, the cooler is larger. I mean, one sixteen, one twenty three liters. So it's 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 a good dis, it's a good bit more, but it's insulated. And I, I I think if you if you've ever run a sous vide, the first thing you realize is that you lose that, a lot of heat. Yeah, if you, I mean, if your hands are cold, just put it on the side of the sous vide or on the top, and like they just warm up. Um, but yeah, I think you, I think you'll be fine. And honestly, because the lid recesses it just a little bit down you can almost have the water i don't want to say dead to the top but almost to the top so that you don't have to because with the sous vide you tend to have like this like kind of metal grate that sits in the middle to kind of right. keep everything down below and with this it's like you don't have the, to worry about you that don't, we yeah. need to worry about that it's, uh, yeah so what i did was i filled the water up this morning up until the pretty much just below the part the indentation for where the lid would slide in and hold itself in place. So yeah. that's that's the barrier the barrier that I used and uh, seems to be working great so far. So yeah, you just need to remember that we, there's displacement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I'd so, rather fill it up, heat it up, and then put the stuff in. And yeah, then have to add water after you heat yeah. it up. Uh, yeah. That that's a pain in the butt. And I will say, like heating up the plastic container, the one thing I learned was boil a bunch of water, even though that's going to be like 200 plus degree water, when you dump that in and then you mix in with it regular water, it's very easy to get that water to go down in temperature. It's very hard. Like once you have a lot of water in there, dumping a lot of boiling water, like a, a like a pan, like a pot, like a pot of boiling water into, you know, like 20 plus quarts of water or let's say 15 plus quarts of water, it, it actually doesn't move the needle as much as you think it would. Like you're like, right. oh, two or three degrees it went up or like five right. degrees it went up. It's not it's not going to make that radical jump that you want to make. So I, the closer you can start to your desired temperature, the less you're like, because like I told you, the trouble I ran into is that I was like, oh, I'm going to have this in 30 minutes. It'll be up to temperature. No, no, no. Not in the non-insulated container. I think what you're finding is that you're getting a quicker heat time in the insulated container. So if, if nothing else, if you're an at-home person, you do CV, just get an insulated container. It'll solve the problem. Yep. All right, brother. Well, right, I'm, cool. I'm excited. That was fun. Yeah. So we're all we're all set up here. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the next time we talk, we'll talk a little bit more about seasonings. And after that, we'll probably do a recap of the uh, tail, actual tailgate. I absolutely want to hear what kind of size these kids bring. Yeah, so we'll, we'll figure that out. That'll be a little bonus. Okay, let's get out of here, man. Uh, All right. Have a good day. I'll talk to you later. Peace. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.